Welcome, welcome. So today we have a special guest, our very first guest, who is blessing our community today. Uh, she is a photographer, a travel blogger, a content creator who lived in Seoul, South Korea for four years. She's traveled the Asian continent. She's been to Taiwan, China, as well as Japan, which is a favorite of mine lately, most recently. Uh, she was the first to host the International Black Girls in Art Spaces in Seoul, South Korea, and she's currently an honorary reporter for Korean Culture and Information Services, which is a platform that allows her to share her writing about Korean travel, culture, and history. Everybody, welcome my girl, Yalisa <laughs> Hi. Long time no see. Yes, long time no see. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. And I'm just honored to be the first guest. So thank you so much. No problem. So I, of course, everyone wants to know about your journey in Korea and how you got there. I think it's important to kind of start in the beginning, which is your childhood, right? So mm -hmm. in your family, was it something common of you guys to travel or was that something that you did throughout your time as a child? And uh, yeah, so as a kid, um, my family, we didn't do international travel, we did national travel. So um, we always, I guess, kind of stayed in the South, in the East Coast. So I, mm -hmm. I was originally born in Mississippi, but I wasn't raised there. And then um, it was a little bit too slow for my mom. So we ended up moving to Washington, D.C. And then after Washington, D.C., we moved to Hampton, Virginia. And from Hampton, Virginia, we moved to Houston, Texas. And then from Houston, Texas, we moved to Memphis, Tennessee. And then we, my mom was like, oh, no, this isn't it. Let's go back to Houston. So I was raised the rest of my childhood, teenage and adult in Houston. Cool. So do you think that you moving around so much kind of impacted your want or need to travel as an adult? Yes, I do. I feel like um, just the fact that me, my mom, my aunt, my cousin, we all moved around. And also as a child watching the Discovery Channel and the Travel Channel, mm -hmm. that like expanded my horizon to outside of America. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think the same thing for me, like I actually grew up in the same home for like over 20 plus years. So when I was in elementary, I was in the same elementary school from my like pre-K to fifth grade. And after I finished elementary, I just had this want to like go somewhere else. So I would actually like move schools and like on my own. Just so I can like get a different scenery. And I've noticed that mm. that has Kept, I, I've been able to like keep that same instinct to want to experience something new and different. So it's just interesting how our childhoods impact our needs. Yeah. I'm just curious, how did you move schools? <laughs> like I know. It's so funny. Um, you know, back in the day they had that No Child Left Behind program and Bush during George Bush um presidency. And so I, I remember that I was at McCullough, Chris McCullough in Houston, Texas, which is like I guess you could say in an urban area. And so they had this program where you could go to a school in the same district, but just a, a better caliber, I guess you can say. And they would bus you there and you would be able to go there. So I actually went to a school in Fort in Sugarland called Fort Settlement. 
And I went there for maybe a semester. I didn't really like the vibe there because I was like three black kids out of like you're like oh I'm just saying it yeah. Um, and coming from a school where it was predominantly black and Hispanic, so it was just like a culture shock. I guess. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So that was like my introduction to me, like giving my parents the brochure, like hey, I want to do this. And luckily, my parents were always supportive, like you know they're like okay. yeah that is great like they supported you every year or as many times as you wanted to change school that's good they they saw your vision and you know helped you shaped yeah. you into who you are now yeah I didn't think about it at the time but yeah I think so so as far as like now okay we understand that you traveled the the nation and you've kind of had an idea of like moving place to place and you've taken a liking to it what was like your introduction to wanting to travel outside the country or how did Korea come into your your life? So um, I can remember like it was yesterday. I was like, we were in Memphis, Tennessee and I was in the car with my mother and um, she was driving me to school and it just came in my head. I was like, you know, I'm curious like what it would be like to live in another country. So I had to be like ninth grade. I was ninth grade and I was like, you know, one day I want to live in another country. And I kept thinking France, you know, where I can paint and be an artist. <laughs> and so, you know, I had forgot about that dream. I like, you know, I said it and I forgot about it until um, in 2018, uh, I had just finished the Nate Parker film in film camp. He hosted every year at uh, Wiley College in Marshall, Texas. So I was like very inspired to be a filmmaker. And so I was always attracted to the Asian uh, film industry. And so one day I was watching a Netflix film called Mother by this filmmaker called, sorry, this filmmaker named Bong Juno. At the time, I had no idea who he was. I just saw the film and knew it was in Asia. And I didn't even know what Korea was or where it was. And so um, after watching that film, I was so moved by it. I said, oh my goodness, wherever this film was made and whoever this film director is, he's great. Um, not knowing that later on he was going to win an Oscar. Like I had no idea. I just saw the greatness in his previous right. work. And so I was so inspired by that film. I said, okay, I want to go to Korea and I want to do film there. That's where I want to learn filmmaking. Wow. And so, you know, I guess AI algorithm or whatever it was picked it up. And so I started getting a lot of YouTube videos, teaching Korea, teaching Korea, life in Korea, black in Korea. So I started, I was watching all of them like every day. And so there was one girl um, I connected with. She was black and, you know, I could tell that she was black. And um, I just watched her journey teaching in Korea. And I said, okay, well, how am I going to pay for housing, food, you know, all this stuff. And I did all the research and I found out that, you know, the program I went through, which was Epic, they covered everything. You just had to pay the flight, but then they reimbursed you for the flight. And I said, okay, cool. Like, this is my way to Korea. So I had applied, actually had ended up applying at the last minute, had no idea. The process was so smooth. The interview process was smooth. Everything went by so fast. I ended up having to quit my job in the middle of the year. At the time, I was a uh, eight, a pre-K teacher or a teach pre eight teacher um, mm -hmm. with Kip, I had to quit that job because they're like, look, you got to be here in February and you got to book the ticket. And I was like, the ticket, $1,300. <sighs> At the time, it's too much money. I was like, well, you know, I got to do it. So I ended up booking the ticket. I was scared. I was so scared to fly that far. But to be honest with you, um, 
you know, like God showed me like, hey, I'm with you. And I mean, from there, it was smooth sailing. I was in, I didn't plan to stay in Korea for four years, but you know, year one, I had such a great time because my goal was, I want to go to Japan, I want to go to Kyoto, and I want to go to China to see my old college mates. Right. So, you know, this was pre-pandemic, and I'm so glad I got to experience China and Japan before the pandemic. Um, and that actually encouraged me to stay in Korea longer, because to be honest, you were there. Like, I just was not feeling Korea. I was like, uh-uh, this is not it. This is, no. It was no. a culture shock, right? <laughs> It was a culture shock. Like, this ain't, you know, like, I knew Japan. Because in America, we mostly know Chinese culture and Japanese culture. So that's my, con that was my connection. And I got there, and I mean, everyone was nice. And, you know, like, I, it definitely matured me a lot. Um, so yeah, after I think my third year of teaching, I got burnt out. I was just like, you know, I'm doing the same redundant thing. There's no growth. Yeah. And I didn't come here to teach. I came to get into film. So I don't know what happened, but out of the blue, this film production company contacted me and they're like, Hey, we're making this Netflix film. Do you want to be part of it? And I was like, yeah, so but this is a scam. <laughs> Because right. I'd never, like, out of the blue, they just text you. It wasn't, I'm thinking professional going to send you an email or something. And they're like, no. Yeah. So I ended up reaching out to this girl I knew who did, like, some a little bit of modeling. Now I think she does more modeling, but she did some modeling. And I asked her, I said, hey, is this company a scam? And she looked at the message and she said, no, it's real. I'll see you there. She's like, no, it's real. I'll see you there. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. So I told the company, I said, yes, I'll do it. And they were like, cool. They said, um... All you have to do is pack your clothes and meet us at the airport. They said, don't worry about your ticket. Don't worry about your food or housing. We pay for everything. I was like, okay, another good sign. Yeah. So they flew me out to Jeju Island. Um, and I was on set the entire day. And that's actually where I ended up making all the um, connections in the film and model industry. I didn't even know that being a foreign model was a thing in Korea because on YouTube, all they ever talked about was teaching. And they said, oh, that's all you can ever do. And it's not until you get there, you start meeting other foreigners, asking them, what do you do? Oh, I'm a student. I work in, you know, I work at Samsung. You're like, oh, there actually are other options right. outside of teaching. That's so powerful because I know for a lot of people that want to like live in Asia, want to live in Japan, want to live in Korea, they only feel like they have to, it's only one way to get there, which is to be a teacher. And although it's a great entry point, that's a great point that you just made. Like you don't have to stay in that. You can connect and make, you know, connections with people that, like you said, are in the film industry or modeling. Um, I know when I lived in China, there were people that were like making connections with um, wholesalers and selling hair and like creating businesses. While yeah. So it's just like, that's such a cool thing. Cause, even now, I'm like trying to figure out, okay, how do people move to these different countries without being a teacher? You know, because not everybody, it's not for everybody. So that's very encouraging. Like, I hope everyone out there listening to this know that you do not have to be a teacher forever if that's not your passion. If it is, then, I mean, you're... Yeah, you got... Yeah. <laughs> you know, but use that as an entry point, get your visa, and then make those connections. And I think with you, Yulisa, you've been such a great example because you show up. Even if you don't know the full picture of what's going to happen in your life, you show up and then things unfold for you. And that's just a testament to your belief and your faith in, in God leading your life. So that's amazing. And now you're like, I will let you tell them what's going on in, in Korea now with you. Like, 
my goodness. I mean, it's so crazy. Like after that, just more doors started opening up. I ended up um, writing a few pieces for the Korea Times. Never thought I could do that. Um, what else I did? I ended up being a photographer for the Seoul Africa fashion show, something I never thought I'd be able to do was, which was runway photography, fashion photography. What else? I got to fashion. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, like after she did it, like because of the pandemic, it just kind of stumped on a lot of stuff, but, um, she did, I think maybe two or three years in a row. And, um, I don't know if she's, I don't think she's still in Korea. I don't know if she'll bring it back, but of course, if she does, I will, repost the flyer but it was a great experience to meet like fashion designers um i got to meet people from all black people from all over the world like places i didn't even think like oh you like we live there um so after that connection what else did i do i did that i did i, I did the netflix here i did another korean broadcast commercial um oh i got to create work with some korean travel or Korean tourism companies in Busan. And the best thing about it is that Korea, like they want to market Korea and they want foreigners to come to visit. So mm -hmm. if you're a foreigner in Korea, sometimes a, a lot of these trips you think, oh man, she paid to go on that. And they're like, no, like they pay for me. They're like, you just show up. So we do you know in Korean or do you know how to, need to know how to speak the language or read Hangul or anything like that or is it? Um, I will say this. So I do not speak fluent Korean. I can read and I can say like basic sentences. Mm -hmm. The more Korean you know, the more opportunities. Like Koreans love when you can speak their language, just like in Japan. Like you can speak it as a foreigner, like you'll be on TV more. You'll just, mm -hmm. you'll have better opportunities. So I'm just procrastinating to study. <laughs> You're going to end up being fluent. I mean, I can see it now. Thank you. I hope so. Cause I mean, even if I come back to America, like it's still, it's a benefit. Right. So, I, especially with K-pop and how that has taken over. Yes. The world. It's crazy. The forefront. Yeah. Yeah. And also I'm pretty glad I was there during the pandemic because I remember I came home right before the pandemic came to America, but it had blew up in Korea and it was all on American news and you know they made it so dramatic and my parents my, my parents were like no we don't want you to go just stay here and I'm like wait a second I left my camera I left my laptop in Korea no I'm going back like all my stuff is there and so I ended up calling a friend of mine who lived in who lives in Daegu South Korea and that's actually where the big explosion had happened and she was like it's really not that big of a deal they're just blowing it out of proportion you'll be fine and I said you know what I feel peace about going back to Korea so I'm going to go back. I went back and then it blew up in America and people were fighting over toilet paper and Lysol. Wow. And I was like, I'm so glad I came back to Korea. Right I had, yeah, I had a check. I have, I didn't lack and I had my own apartment. Yeah. And I feel like just watching the news coverage in Korea, it felt like you guys had it under control. Like far as like the lines, the testing. I mean, while we're over here just panicking and just like, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not in that mess. But yeah, like I was just like, wow, Korea was prepared. And what I found out is um, what happened was during the SARS uh, pandemic or epidemic that had happened in Asia, Korea didn't do well. So they said, okay, we cannot let another incident like this happen. We need to have a plan set in place. So when um, COVID came, 
you know, like they had everything lined up. And I mean, it was smooth. So kudos to Korea. Kudos to Korea. And if anything goes down, I want to be in Asia. Okay. Yes. (laughs) For any sickness, any rare disease. (laughs) Well, Vietnam has shut their border. Like, nope, shut down. Taiwan, they had closed their border and they actually didn't have the virus there for a long time. People were still like walking around with no mask. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I give kudos to Korea for that. Um, And I hope we learn from them going forward because, child, thank God we we made it past the COVID. uh, And it just canceled in Japan. They say COVID's canceled. Finally. I don't know why you canceled COVID, but listen. Yes. So no more tests yeah, with the PCR test. Just no more PCR yeah. tests. But people are still wearing their mask here. Like everyone, um, I feel odd when I don't wear a mask. So I'm. Do they stare at you? Like she doesn't. Yeah, they kind of look, but then it's like other locals. It's a few of them that don't wear it. So you know, you're kind of like the rare few that's like rebelling, I guess. But I'll just put it back on. I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to blend in. Um, <laughs> uh, like okay, so I know that. You're going back to Korea, mm-hmm. right? Um, and for a lot of people out there, how was that process of like, because you're no longer teaching. So how did you get your visa? Because that's the big thing for any of us travelers out there wanting to live somewhere long term. We're always wondering how we're going to get our visa. Um, so what was that process like for you? Um, I can say now, like after the pandemic, a lot of the countries are wanting foreigners, wanting tourists to come and stay longer. So uh, specifically speaking for Korea, at the time, the only two visas I knew about, or the few visas I knew about was the E2 visa, which was the teaching visa. You have the E6 visa, which was the model entertainment visa. Um, you have the K K1 visa, or it's a K something. No, not K. That's that's America's spouse. But um, you have the F. It's a F F something visa. But uh, the visa was for spouses, so you could marry a Korean, or you could work uh, for a company. So those were like the main visas that you have. Now, after the pandemic, Korea is trying to increase. Um, tourism for the economy. So they recently created some new visas. They have the remote visa, where if you have a remote job, you can stay in Korea, um, you can apply for the visa and it's good for two years. And then they have like a K-culture type visa where I think you have to be a student um, and you can go to Korea and learn more about K-pop and Korean culture and all that stuff. Yeah, besides doing the, model visa because with the model visa you just have to be careful with the agency especially now back then it was a little bit not easy but less saturated but now that korean culture has become more popular more foreigners are coming it's more saturated so you just have to be careful um with the model agency it is illegal to pay for the visa so if the model agency says you have to pay for the visa, then that's a red flag there. Mm. Um, I was able to sign with an agency where I didn't have to pay for the visa. I didn't want to because I you know, I didn't have to. Right. And the name of my agency is called PIX Entertainment, P-I-X Entertainment. And they're always looking for foreigners. You can find their Instagram page. Um, under that visa, I'll be able to do everything I went to create to do, uh, which was like model, take pictures, anything creative or like in the culture sector, and I get paid for it, I'll be able to do it with that visa. There's also one more visa 
sorry, um, I just learned about this one. It's called like a, a startup business visa. And a lot of people don't know about that visa, um, but you can use that to start a business in Korea and you have a lot of leeway with that visa. So hmm. if you're interested. Okay. Make a little mm -hmm. note of that. Um, Cause I definitely want to know more about that one. Now I know everyone has this question in their mind that they want to ask. And it's basically as a black woman, you know, traveling solo in a different country, what was your experience like or what has your experience been like in Korea as a black woman? Were you, did you feel welcomed? Or is that something that's kind of complex? <laughs> Breakdown. Um, I will, I guess I will say this is my personal experience. It depends right. on the region that you're in. Now, oh. um, I was based in Seoul. I always lived in Seoul. I'm not a Seoul person. I'm more really? of a no yeah I'm not I it's it's a lot there's a lot of tall buildings there's no greenery That's true. I prefer Busan which is in the southern region of South Korea and it's more like a west coast vibe you got the beach you got the mountains people are more chill and more open because they have more tans from being in the sun versus in Seoul it's all about having whiter skin That's so true. um and actually that was another reason why I came home because uh, it can mentally take a toll on you if you don't have the support of friends or, you know, a spouse. Um, you walk down the street and you'll see posters of Korean people and white people, but you rarely see a black person. And then, like, when you do see it, you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, like, that's Will Smith because he did a campaign for coach or something like that. Um, but moment, primarily, like, in Korean culture, white skin is the beauty standard. Um, so it, the lighter you are, the more dates you'll probably get. I mean, it's not difficult today, but you won't get that many. And if you do, maybe they're weird people. So like the two or three, oh no, no, the two, I know a few black girls who've gotten married, but the two that I know it was easy for them, they don't really look black. Like, you know, they're black, mm -hmm. but they're like that, not at kinky curly hair. Yeah. And very light skin. So you know, it was easy for them to date and marry Korean guys. Mm -hmm. But I also do know a few women, your skin color, my skin color, and they marry Korean guys as mm -hmm. well. But it's just, it's not as easy. Um, but the parents, I think also depending on the school and the work-wise. So I didn't have this experience, but I've heard the stories of, you know, Black people or Black women going to a hogwan, which is the private after school, um, to apply for a job and the, the administration will say, oh, we can't hire you because you're black. The Korean parents want a white teacher. And you may be like very qualified, you know, got your master's in teaching. And then this white person may not even have a bachelor's degree or have a bachelor's degree, but not much teaching experience. And they'll get the job just because of the color of their skin. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I remember being in China and you know in China you get a reaction because you're black and it's not a bad reaction it's more so they want to take pictures with you and all that but I remember walking down the street with a white teacher and the response that she got was like she was God like it was a different level of response I'm just wow. like what is that about and I, I think that it's like all throughout Asia it's something about white people that they just glorify to a whole nother level um, yeah so yeah I definitely agree with that but do you feel as though with that experience being a black woman in Asia is something, I guess, coming from America is more palatable or is 
what would you say to someone that lives in the States that feels like, well, we have racism here. I'm not going to go to another country and deal with racism there. Um, When it comes to racism in America, to be honest with you, I would still go to Asia and deal with the, I don't want to say racism, but prejudice. More prejudice, yeah. Yeah, because it's a different level. It's prejudice, but I don't have to worry. And I mean, I may not get the job at that institution, but I can always go to another institution. Mm-hmm. I know I'm safe. Right. Versus in America, like in Korea, I can walk down the street at night with headphones in my ear at two in the morning. No one bothers me. Um, I can leave, I can leave my, you know, wallet or my purse somewhere, forget it. Like, oh, for example, going to the restroom, I can leave my laptop wallet, all my important stuff right there on that coffee table, walk to go upstairs, walk to the restroom, come back down and my stuff is still there. So I love the level of safety. I love that I have health and healthcare, affordable healthcare. Let me say that. Yes. Yes. I love that. I don't have to drive anywhere. So that helps save me so much money. I love that. You know, if I get tired of Korea, I can take a weekend trip to Japan or Taiwan and then come back. I love that flexibility. So I think you just have to weigh the pros and the cons for you. You know, like, you know, maybe a Korean guy may not be interested in you. But, I mean, there's so many other guys there. There's other foreigners there. And that's normally what ends up happening in Korea. Um, The foreigners end up just congregating together. And I know that's what ended up happening to me. Like, after my four years of living in Korea, I can count on one hand how many Korean friends I have. And I still talk to you. Yeah. Because the Koreans normally, like, they'll hang out with you for the whole day, but then they're going to, like, go back to their their world. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Because I know, like, in Korea, they have the military there, the military base. And I <laughs> yeah. remember they be out in Hongdae and you yes. them partying. Um. So there's no shorter foreigners if you really want to find foreigners, especially like in Itaewon and right. places like in Seoul. Um, you can definitely find your community. You can definitely get out there and kind of socialize and, and find other foreigners, so to speak. Um, I actually, when I lived there, I actually enjoyed like being around the Koreans more so than like going to Itaewon. It was just a lot of energy. Like I would go into a club at Itaewon. I was just like, right. You know, like, let me go back to Hyundai. I just felt like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're right. Like pre-pandemic, it was a lot. I didn't even like going to Itaewon either. But after the pandemic, well, the pandemic came and then the Halloween incident happened. In Taiwan, so it's it's really died down. It's not what it used to be, and more of Hongdae is hyped up, and um, some more actually little local spots. Because uh, even though I don't hang out with a lot of Koreans, I get a lot of local Korean information on my on my Instagram. I'm like, oh, this is a cool cafe that a lot of foreigners don't go to, and then I'll go there. But um, yeah, Hongdae is the hot spot in Gangnam. I think yeah, it's always been yeah Gangnam. I feel like now though, I don't know if I'm at the age where I would enjoy Hung Day. I feel like that's more of like college age. Because I even heard that, I saw like a TikTok of a girl going there and they had like an age limit on people that can go into the club. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Korean, like they don't get, there's customer service is no such thing there. (laughs) Like they will kick you out. They'll tell you, you can't come. They'll tell you like, oh, you can't sit in the cafe unless you buy a coffee. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're definitely got rich. Um, so how long do you see yourself in Korea? Do you have like a timeline? Do you see yourself building a life there? Um, are you just kind of fluid with, with what's next? Um, I'll say I'm fluid with what's next. I definitely 
don't plan to make Korea my home home. It is like now my second home because yeah. I've made so many friends there and connections, but I know at the end of the day, it's not somewhere I can live long-term. Just mentally, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they're, they're always going to see me as a foreigner. So I'm I'm not going to be able to ever climb up the ladder and make as much money as I could living in America or Europe. But I mean, for now, um, Korea is just, it's a country where it's, it's a country where it's good to get a start. Like if you're trying mm-hmm. to get experience in your field. And actually that's what a lot of my model friends do. I'll ask them like, oh, are you going to stay here forever? And they're like, no, you know, like we just come to Korea to get the experience and then we move on somewhere else. Really? That's a good mm-hmm. tidbit. Okay. So it's like a mm-hmm. soft landing for people. Yes. Yes. Unless your spouse is Korean, you know, then you, you're there. <laughs> yeah, then you're there. I follow, um, what's her name? Megan Moon. Yes. Um, yeah, we talked about her. She's a famous YouTuber that lives mm-hmm. in Korea. She started as a teacher and has been able to build an empire, so to speak. I mean, she has a skincare line and her videos yeah. have morphed into so many different eras. Um, she has a huge following out there. So. She loves Korea. She loves Korea. But I'm not going to say this, but, you know, she her skin color isn't like ours. So I I'll... know. I think about <laughs> that all the time. And you know what's so funny? She just had two babies, and they, they're twins. And I can see their melanin. I can see, like, the the blackness. Yeah. <laughs> so many years, people challenged her and her blackness. And it's like seeing her babies. I'm like, okay. I can see Yeah. We got That's some cool. tan. Because grandpa, grandpa, grandpa is brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Grandpa's brown, and she's um, wearing her natural hair now. She used to not do that. Yeah, wigs and yeah. So I like her yeah. in the yeah. curly hair. Yeah, she definitely started to kind of like acclimate and kind of like morph into a Korean, and now she's mm. kind of coming back into like, like you said, wearing her natural hair and things like that. So yeah, that's that's very funny. Um, but I believe you're you're uh, definitely one of the important influences out there. Like I watch your content on Instagram and your pictures and then like your photography and I'm just always moved by it. And I'm like, people have to see this. So like definitely let people know what you're doing next, how they can find you because she is one to watch. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me because I'm like, oh, it's not that good. Like I'm looking at someone else, but I really appreciate you supporting me. Actually, um, we met at the apartment complex and then we just stay connected and you were like encouraging me to go to Ch- go to Korea. I remember I was so nervous and you're like, girl, it was fine. I went to China and I had such a great time. I was like, okay, well, she went. It should be the same. <laughs> we actually met through her mom. Her mom yes. lived at the apartment community. I worked mm-hmm. at the leasing agent there. And her mom is such a sweetheart. We just hit it off. And she was like, yeah, my daughter's going to think about going to Korea to teach. And I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, I taught in China. And we uh, connected and just like, that's been what, over five years ago now. Yeah, and just yeah we stay connected. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, to see like how you've grown. Like I've, I always like convinced like she's really great at traveling, but also like business and real estate. So I hope you do a like story on that. You have I will, to. I will, I will. But yes, how can the people find you? What you got? What do you have going on next that we can? Yes. So um, I go back to Korea and hopefully uh, this fall because my agency is like, hey, when are you coming back? And I plan just to kind of like jump head into everything that I can do. I'm gonna, of course, uh, advertise my photography, engagement photos, birthday photos, whatever you kind of need photos um, to help my portfolio and also to help me with 
money because uh, even though I'm with the model agency, you don't depend on them to send you every single job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is take note of that. But you can find me on my Instagram, which is my name at Yolisma, Y-O-L-I-S-S-M-A. My YouTube is Yolisma. Everything is Yolisma. So yeah. you can just type okay. it to right Google. across the board. Yes. <laughs> Keep it simple. So thank you so much. Yes. Before you leave, we have this thing where we have a stamp our passport for the community. So stamp our passport is just to leave us with a piece of advice to the community of, you know, what you would tell someone wanting to follow in your footsteps or do something similar of what you're doing. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I love it. Okay, stamp your passport. My advice is that um, take more chances. Don't be afraid. Take more chances. If it doesn't work out, you can always regroup. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Thank you so much, Elisa. Thank you me. for having me. Yes, you have to come back. <laughs> okay, anytime. Just hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> you know I will. <laughs> All right, then. Bye. Bye.